0: Hello and welcome to the Week 13 edition of Spitball, your weekly American football podcast. I'm your host, Adri Bullhawk-Mallows, and with me as always, Marcus, I own Fantasy Football, Henson. How are you, buddy? I'm very good, thank you. Unfortunately for now, I'm afraid that's where the, the pleasantries uh, must stop, just to take a little time out. This week, I'm sure many of you have heard, on Saturday, Kansas City suffered what can only be described as a tragedy. One of their players, Jovan Belcher, decided, nobody knows why, in the morning he woke up, shot his girlfriend in cold blood. That's the only way best to describe it. Drove himself to the facility. My understanding is he was in conversation with Romeo Cornell in the car park and another team member, the coaching staff. And when the police arrived, he took himself behind his car and shot himself in the head. And it's crazy. I mean, it's a tragic loss for the NFL. It's another linebacker gone. I think for sport in general,
1: really, it always seems to be that negatives manage to find their, their way into the, the main storylines. Yeah. Unfortunately, pressing matters that you find the worst in people, especially in such a case as this, where you are a member of the NFL, the, the most prestigious American football league in the world.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And for me, the reason why it's making me raise an eyebrow is the position he plays linebacker now. I know it goes back quite a few months, but you only have to think about Junior Seau, and there have been other cases before Junior Seau, similar cases of players from that position where they seem to be committing suicide. Now, I don't know whether it's because generally they have something wrong, something's happened that's triggered it, but it seems that maybe that position above others, maybe they suffer more head trauma than other players, I don't know. It seems uncanny that it seems to be players of that specific position where this is happening the most recently.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there was a statement released the week before after the game saying that he'd felt positive about the team's performance. I mean, they had had a pretty decent game against Denver, wasn't it? For Even though they didn't come away with the win, the team is on the right track, everyone's working well, and there's a great feel in the locker room. So clearly something doesn't seem to add up from either the words that were said the statements of the, the team of how he was a productive member, he was hard-working, always attentive, and then, say, this this random act and other statements from, say, members of the family who seem to see a, a slip in his, his normal state. Yeah. It's like two different people, really. There was the on-the-field guy and the, unfortunately, off-the-field off victim.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll leave it there for now because, obviously, tragic circumstances. And I'm sure Marcus you'll join me and also all of our listeners just saying that all of our thoughts and prayers go out to the, the family of both Belcher and also his girlfriend Absolutely. and all of their close friends in and, and what is a tragic time for them and we wish them all the best that's all I can all say the, really all and the just strength for it, keep yes. strong because it's tragic and we can't understand what you're going through but we truly feel for you okay so now let's move on to the action from week 13 try and step things up if we can even though I'm honest, it's going to leave me in a sombre mood for for most of the week. I want to talk about something I've done a little differently for offensive impact player this week. I've done a player poll for both offensive and defensive impact players on the blog, purely so that I can talk about them this week on the podcast. Hmm. trying to steal a bit of your glory a little bit. In my impact players for the offensive side of the ball. I've included an interesting selection. I've gone with an option people can select Greg Zerline, kicker for the St. Louis Rams because it dawned on me this weekend Well, it started really on Saturday and I apologise for talking about egg chasing to both football fans and football bracket soccer fans but I was watching the England-New Zealand game and it just reminded me how essential kicking is to both rugby and American football with Dan Carter missing two really straightforward kicks you would say for a man of his calibre in that game and with the way England were playing just builds the pressure on New Zealand because they're not putting points on the board. And obviously we know how that game ended up. Because they weren't putting points on the board, we kept kicking the points, knocking it over. 12-0 up at half-time because they couldn't kick. And then subsequently it just led to a position where they just couldn't see themselves coming back from. They tried, they played remarkable rugby, but ultimately it was just too deep a hole. But yeah, I can see Marcus yawning there, say. So. I'll bring swiftly on to my point as to why I include Greg Zerline and that is because in the NFL we talk about impact and who has a bigger impact on the game than someone who kicks either the winning field goal, the time field goal. They're put under the most pressure, they're probably paid the least in the locker room but yet they have almost the biggest responsibility I feel aside from the coaches. Oh, absolutely,
1: I mean, there's a lot of time when you see um, the kickers in a poor run of form getting the, the chop rather quickly.
0: Yeah, you only have to speak to Mike Shanahan about axing kickers, don't you, really? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Absolutely. But it's taken on a, a whole new life where this, this clutch ability everyone keeps talking about is how they uh, they delve under pressure. And there's a few out there that have managed to cement huge careers. I mean... Due to the sort of the well, yeah, you think relaxed nature of the position.
0: Think back to Vinatieri and the years that New England were winning Super Bowls. I mean, oh, yeah. there's a reason why, and one of the main reasons, aside from obviously Brady being possibly the best quarterback to ever play the game, I said it, but what can you do? Adam Vinatieri was making all the clutch kicks under the sun whenever they got in a position. Brady got down there and had confidence, knowing Vinietteiro was going to kick that winning field
1: goal. The one big question there is: you have to look in the uh, the first Super Bowl, the one against the Rams. Yeah, and well, there you go, game winner. I yeah, mean, can you think of any bigger kick than the Super Bowl winning? I mean, talk about game winning, but Super Bowl game winning field goal. The eyes of millions watching you; half of them want you to fail half of them will be singing your praises for the rest of your days, if you make it. It's very much a tense time, and you've got to sort of be able to have that ice, as they call it, ice in their veins, to just put it all aside and just do that, you know, absolutely boot to leather.
0: Fundamentally as well, you'll find that whether they want them to miss it, or whether they want him to make it, all of them are expecting him to kick it, because that's his job. Yeah. So that's a hell of a lot of pressure to carry around. You can see
1: sometimes where a poor run of form and it's difficult then to dig yourself out because as the poor run continues, then you're supposed to try and make yourself into a, a positive run. And then suddenly you, you found that you're playing off the back foot, trying to play catch up. And if you miss the next kick, well, that's just even more you've got to catch up on.
0: Yeah. So this brings us nicely into our offensive impact. Player! Yes. So this week, we're going to do things slightly differently. So Marcus, I would like you to give me your number two mm-hmm. for our Megatron Awards, and then we'll take it in turns to do our Offensive Impact winners. Absolutely. So who like you that. have as your runner-up this week? So? Well,
1: silver medalist this week. I've gone quite quarterback heavy because I thought there some really good showings this week. But if you've been listening to us over the last couple of weeks, you'll relate back to this one. And for my silver medalist... Is Mr. Cam Newton. Interesting choice. Yes, absolutely. He, he lost this week. He lost this week, okay? And you might think there's not much impact there towards a loss. But at the same time, we were talking about him growing up as a man, trying to lead this team, putting on to some kind of offensive sort of progression because they, they were struggling. And it seemed this week he put up 232 yards in the air, three touchdowns, he had 78 running. It seemed to be back like that original Cam Newton who burst onto the scenes... The uh, the rookie, the cocky rookie, who was cocky, but at the same time he brought out the the right performance in other people. I watched that this week, and I was much more like, that's the cam they need, not the one who's sitting on the bench with the towel over his head. They need this cam, and so for that I had to give him some kind of praise this week. But I don't think it was good enough to be a winner. So you only get my bing, silver medal this week, Mister. Well,
0: Mister. Cam Newton, I have one thing to say to Cam Newton. That is so last year. Have you heard about a quarterback, and this is for you, Mickey, have you heard about a quarterback by the name of RG3? Oh, yes, I have. Not only did he put in a game-winning performance this week against the New York Giants, Mm -hmm. but he also broke the rookie rushing record for a quarterback, surpassing Cam Newton's record from last year. So, Cam Newton, congratulations on second place, but... Sorry, mate, you truly are last year, so <laughs> let's move onwards and upwards to our uh, number one. I think I'm going to let you go first with your number one pick.
1: Okay, so my uh, my Megatron award winner, so that's the, the first place gets to be called Mr. Megatron for the week. And this is going to go to a Andrew Luck Indianapolis Colt. And that is pretty much because it was a fourth quarter comeback to admire.
0: Absolutely, and it's also proof that the Madden cover curse exists because no matter how well Calvin Johnson's playing, that Madden cover curse is finding a way for Detroit to lose. We said it was real, didn't we? Absolutely. There's a few things. I mean, you look at the game
1: itself. Okay, 391 yards, you had four touchdowns, three on the ground. There was the unfortunate two interceptions, I believe it was. But at the same time, you're looking at this game, they were 12 points down with seven and a half minutes to go. Yeah. Seven and a half minutes to go, you're 12 points down. That's a minimum of two scores, and he comes back and he gets it. This is a rookie quarterback taking on the position of what really you put down to a veteran quarterback. Yep. Like like they say, Eli Manning is the king of the fourth quarter comeback because he's done it. He's managed to make the progression into that sort of what they call veterans club. I'm sorry, but Andrew Luck, at the same time this week, held all the pocket presence, all the calm and the magnitude. And for me, that really made me step up and go, yes, I believe in Andrew Luck this week. That's an impact. That is. It, it was an impact because not only do you walk home with the win, but I'm betting that pretty much if there was anyone else still left doubting whether or not he was the man in the future, that 8-4 and four record tells me it is.
0: And there's another reason why that 8-4 and four record tells you it is, and it's a beautiful little stat. Andrew Luck is the first rookie quarterback picked first in the draft that's had eight wins to his name.
1: In the first season, yeah, yep. absolutely. He's, he's really starting to just show. I mean, we said this early in the year that we liked RG3 for winning the games and Andrew Luck for breaking the records. And Andrew Luck's going to try and uh, do both. Do both.
0: Yeah, no, congratulations, Andrew Luck. I mean, yeah, you're right. That is a hell of an impact to bring this team back like that in the fourth quarter. I honestly, I'd written them off and then to see him come back, I was quite frankly gobsmacked, especially with the way they did it, to score that touchdown to win the game, literally last row of the game. It was. Unbelievable, and um, great performance. This week, my offensive impact player. Player goes to a man I mentioned last week, A certain running back by the name of Adrian Peterson. Oh, yes. This week he had over 200 yards, a touchdown. And the reason why I voted in my impact player is because the difference he makes to that Minnesota side when he is in it and he is on form. But for Christian Ponder, Minnesota could have wiped off the Green Bay Packers this week. If it wasn't for Ponder's turnovers, if they'd had someone steady, maybe an Andrew Luck or a Cam Newton, maybe. (laughs) Who knows? Or any other quarterback, maybe even Fitzpatrick could have done a better job than Ponder (laughs) this week. I'll let you decide on that one. But the impact he brings to that offense, is just phenomenal. You saw the way he broke some of those big runs. I mean, his 82-yard touchdown run was just phenomenal. The way he broke through tackles and the speed he showed after he broke out of that last tackle to burst down the sideline... I couldn't believe it. I was just in awe of watching him speed down that sideline.
1: Unbelievable. There is a unique blend, isn't there, between um, both speed and strength that he manages to possess, and he seems to do them both so gallantly.
0: He's just unbelievable, and this is the Adrian Peterson that everybody loves to watch. A fit Adrian Peterson. Not injured, no
1: niggles, none of this sort of like questionable doubts. This is just pure him in peak
0: form. Absolutely. Congratulations, Adrian. You are my offensive. Impact player. player. So, let's stick with our awards. On to our Mr. Ray Lewis award for our defensive impact impact player. player. And (laughs) your number two, your second
1: choice this week. Right, my silver medalist this week, I had a little eye on the Steelers-Baltimore game. One, because it's a great rivalry, but two, Mr. Troy Polamalu was coming back and I had to keep an eye on this game because... Oh, how I wanted him to be coming back and sort of really observe the game but of course they used him sparingly they brought him back in gently he had two tackles in a day which was great but it made me then suddenly watching, keeping a close eye on this game made me watch someone here who I haven't mentioned this year but I thought yes you see the impact every single week and we know when we talk in impact how can you not talk about this guy and that is James Harrison
0: I think we may have mentioned him once previously because we were talking about his interception in the Super Bowl weren't we? Oh, yes, but we haven't spoken to him about his performance so far this season. I think, well, maybe briefly, but not, yeah, not about his collective performances, yeah.
1: It was a really good win for Pittsburgh this week. I mean, they needed it over their rivals. Yeah, I'd written them off, if I'm honest. Absolutely. So you're sitting there going, it's kind of getting away from them. Baltimore looked like they're going to take in the shore. As well as the Cincinnati winning... Yeah. They, they didn't want to lose their grip on that possibility of having the wild card. No. So they're coming in and beating their, their, their rivals, but with six tackles, a sack and a forced fumble, it was at one of these points here, again, this impact point where he felt it, they turned it around, and then they used that turnover to create points themselves, which really sort of kept the game in balance because it was really what we call an AFC North game before that, you know, we were talking 6-3, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was just, it was at some point you're sitting there wondering if the offense has made the bus journey. But again, you're seeing this guy, he's a pr- true veteran. They've put a lot of stacked against him. He had a load of the trouble last year, what we've getting pretty much fined every single game for some illegal hits, others that I thought were pretty damn good and it felt like they were nannying it a little bit too much, where you're just a little overprotective but I love to see him coming back playing hard but playing fair, yeah he just didn't quite hit that peak even though he had a great game and it made me realise that yes, how could I forget this guy as an impact player. But yeah, he wins the silver medal.
0: And it's funny you should talk about playing clean because that's just reminded me of someone who gets a bit of a reputation for not playing clean and the last couple of weeks if what's said about Sunday's game against the Colts is true, Mr. and Dharma can mm. Firstly, two weeks ago now, week twelve, was that kick deliberate, do you think? Uh, I don't
1: know. I'm in the um, the camp that says that your leg doesn't extend out like that. Naturally, when you're falling over, they tend to regress towards the closest part of your body, not outwards like that.
0: Yeah, I think you need to keep an eye on him. And for the second time in his career, so if it crops up a third time, I'm starting to think it must be true. But for the second time in his career, second season in a row, in fact, as well... There's been reports after the game on Sunday an offensive lineman from the Colts was talking about how and and Sue was taunting an injured player. Now, it cropped up last year during the Mm. Green Bay Packers game, didn't it?
1: pre or uh, post the stamping I can't remember I
0: think it was post stamping yeah what do no, you think
1: about him to be honest I'm all about the fairness in the game uh, I think the sportsmanship is should be a great part to it because it is a dangerous sport and stuff like that and we know it's all about the high collisions but at the same time there needs to then be a sense of camaraderie that once the whistle's blown that no matter what shirt you're wearing you come together and you.
0: yeah you'd have thought they'd have more of an understanding for each other go for them. I mean, I sit there on the sidelines and I think bloody hell that looks horrific, mm. and I'm being polite when I say uh, bloody hell. But, you know, I mean, like, for example, Rice Rice's winning touchdown catch against Chicago, I saw that hit, and oh. I was praying because... Ooh. The way his players were trying to lift him up. And I'm like, you can't pick him up. He's out cold. He's <laughs> yeah. on the floor. Yeah,
1: he, there's, there's times you can tell. I mean, that one, it was, it was lucky that he maintained possession enough through to um, clean the line, really. And yeah, lucky
0: the hit came after the goal a- line.
1: After the goal line, because literally you saw it just flop out of his hands. And then you can almost sort of tell through that point, And the limpness of the body as they go down, it's sort of... Yeah. ain't gonna be pretty.
0: No, and luckily he got up and walked away. And oh, we did, yes, It's gonna be okay for next week. But when they happen, it looks horrific. So I mean, even the small injuries, like or what may be considered small, when you tweak a knee, twist a knee, or anything like that, ankles, even then, as a fellow pro, you've got to understand surely what that means to that person if mm. they go down injured, and why would you want to talk them? I don't understand because to me. It's only tempting fate, so if it's true, Mr. Sue, even though you seemed nice enough when I met you is going to get you. Absolutely. Just speak to the Texans about karma. We'll come on to that and, later. <laughs> and,
1: and stop teaching the Washington Redskins and uh, the Giants your tactics. I don't know if you saw the little fight and the stamping that was <laughs> what was pulled out. I know it was a divisional game and all that, but it seemed that they were reading maybe one of his textbooks there on uh, on how to scrap in between NFL games.
0: Nice. Well, let's move swiftly on then to our defensive Im- impact player. player. Our Mr. Ray Lewis for week 13. If it's okay with you, sir, I'm going to jump in first. And my pick is Mr. Kerry Rhodes of the Arizona Cardinals against the Jets this week. Six tackles, two interceptions, one forced fumble. It wasn't just so much about the stats because they are pretty awesome, but it was just everywhere Sanchez went, Rhodes seemed to be there. And when he wasn't making a pick or forcing a fumble, he just always seemed to be involved in the action. And Sanchez just had a torrid time, so much so that Finally, Rex Ryan gave in and and brought in young McElroy.
1: It's kind of very lucky on him that Tebow was out this week as well, so he managed to get uh, suited up into that number two spot.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Took his opportunity. And just goes to show, I mean, that's, I mean, not only the stats, but forcing the opposition coach to bench the quarterback. He's shown so much faith in this season. Not just Rhodes, obviously he had a great game. The rest of the Cardinals' defence also did. But that's my point about impact. It was kind of unfair, really, because that Cardinals defence
1: deserved the win. Absolutely. Um, But, yeah, again, they've got their own problems at quarterback.
0: Yeah, indeed. Why they're starting that Lindley, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I know Kolb's injured, but, again, Skelton was favoured over Kolb. Kolb came in because Skelton was injured. You'd expect Skelton to come back. He did, and then they benched him in the third quarter, was it last week, I think, wasn't it? And... I don't understand it, but that's for the Cardinals to sort out. Let's move on to your defensive impact player.
1: Right, well, my win this week, for the person who can call himself Mr. Ray Lewis, the honorary title for just one week only until we pick someone else next week, is going to go to JJ Watt, Houston Texan, Otherwise known as JJ, JJ Swatt. Swatt. And that is why, I mean, when you look at him in the same sort of context as uh, my runner-up, Mr. Harrison, he's, he had five tackles, a uh, sack and a forced fumble, but the guy had three passes the guy does this on a consistent basis as well i mean he rightly earned the name jj swat i mean firstly okay tennessee didn't look comfortable at all all day on offense locker looked very heavy under pressure he looked bulky his arm action just completely went by about the fourth quarter to the fact that he was just putting balls either into the dirt or, or overshooting but at the same time, it's just the fact that I think he knew J.J. Watt was in that line. And after the first sack, he got the forced fumble. Uh, I think he had about another two hits as well on the quarterback just after the, the ball had gone. So he made himself known. And I just think he got inside Locker's head. And that's why I had to give him Mr. Ray Lewis here. Because he got inside his head and you could tell that he just wasn't there, Locker, because he had J.J. Watt living rent-free up in, the, up in that headspace.
0: Yeah, I tell you what. Else, I don't understand about the Titans. they' let Jake Locker come back in, but I thought they were progressing under Hasselbeck. yeah. And yet
1: again, this is I think this is something we have to look out for. Is because a lot of teams are are looking to do this. It's like, I'd like to see what Jacksonville decide to do. I mean, I know Henny got the win and he didn't quite get the win against Buffalo this week, but I that's still,
0: Buffalo are the best.
1: I still think that he's progressing much quicker along the lines that uh, they want to progress in sort of looking forward, then Gabbett. But I'd like to see what happens when Gabbett comes back fit. Do they
0: instantly replace him? I think from what we've seen this season, the answer to that is yes, they're going to because they, for some reason they see Gabbard as the way forward.
1: Well, there you are. I, mean, I think there's a lot of times where coaches get set on a guy that they put a lot of time into making him in into this, this model quarterback. Quarterback tends, tends to be the, the position we see this more. Yeah. Uh, occasionally you'll see it in uh, other players, maybe wide receivers and stuff like that. But it has to be said that the majority of the time when this is happening is on the uh, the high-priced college assets, the ones that people put down to being the quarterback stars of tomorrow and then end up being shining not so bright,
0: really. Yeah, absolutely. And thinking of the quarterbacks, the rookie quarterbacks in at the moment or the first-year quarterbacks, the way I see it, they've potentially got two or three years to prove themselves before you look at the freshman class in college at the moment. So we're looking at two three years aren't we depending on when they go into the draft if they go into Mm -hmm. the draft early you've got Johnny Manziel otherwise known as Johnny Football from Texas A&M He's having a great season, and to be honest, at the moment is I would, I think he's the odds-on favourite. Is he not to win the Heisman?
1: I think so. I think he's. I think he's managed to pass um, all others. I mean, I know Tao, um was highly ranked, but I think Johnny Football's going to just
0: pass him just ever so slightly. And also, you've got Everett Golson, who I believe is another freshman for Notre mm. Dame, who's starting to look tastier and tastier. Not obviously saying he's fit here. Don't misinterpret me, but as a quarterback, he is beginning to look a more accomplished article. Yeah, I think
1: uh, they were trying that two quarterback system early in the season, and I'm glad that they decided to stick with one. Then and just give Golden his try.
0: Absolutely, and also you've got you have to help me out here, being an Oregon fan, put you on the spot, the young quarterback at Oregon. No, nope, can't uh, can't recall that
1: at the moment. Being put on the
0: spot. Okay, no worries. Well, there's at least three there. We'll uh, we'll put it in the show notes for you because I feel really bad that I can't think of the name myself. Yeah. Relying on my Oregon fan here. Shame on him. Yeah. If Dave Dameshek was here, what would he be saying? Shame! Exactly. So, so Mr. Ray Lewis for the week. Congratulations, Mr. JJ
1: What You can wear that with pride. Next week, we're going to take it off you, though, and give it to someone else. Unless you do that all over again and earn our high regards again.
0: Moving on. Thinking of Texans, this week there was another dodgy official play, and I've already had a little oh. bit of a Twitter debate with a couple of people this week about how it's karma. And... Whilst they agreed, I think they were a little bit upset at how I put it across because I was trying to imply that Forsett was literally lying on the floor when when the play didn't get blown dead. But this week, Antonio Smith had a fumble recovered, which went for a touchdown, all all being said, yet for some reason they, they blew that ball dead. Even though it was clear Johnson was still on his feet when the ball came out, there was nobody around Antonio Smith and yet somehow they've seen fit to blow that dead.
1: I don't know why I must admit I was absolutely screaming at TV as uh, as having Texans in my fantasy team. I was just looking I was jumping up for joy at the the thought of uh, more points in my in my pocket and then That's suddenly, Texans
0: defense you mean.
1: Yeah, Texans defense and then they just sort of like stole it away and claimed that he was down by absolute imaginary contact. Yes.
0: So with that in mind, do we not think that if you can challenge plays, surely even if the whistle's blown, you should still be able to challenge it? Because if the outcome of that play is... Because they got the decision right in the end, obviously they they realised it was a fumble, uh, maybe that was what, what they were wondering about in the first place. But surely if you're reviewing a play, whichever turnover it is, it's reviewable regardless of when the whistle goes surely the end result of that play
1: yes I mean, I know what you mean Is because technically to finish out the play I believe we had this uh, in question last year where it was a fumble ruled out incomplete then they couldn't decide who actually had clear possession last year because they'd blown the whistle dead they weren't paying attention to who recovered the ball yeah and so they had to call it a dead play and replay the whole thing again. Wow. And it's it, it's coming on the question where who's keeping an eye out with so many TV cameras? How can you not keep an eye on where the ball is, the players around it, and how the play is progressing?
0: It's a tough job. I mean, it's I know it's job. Not the same when we do it for flag, but it, it is a tough job when you're having to try and keep an eye on various different things, line of scrimmage, and you've got so many refs there as well. So you would think that even if I don't, See make it someone else. Someone, yes, someone else, yes,
1: absolutely. Will. Well, again, it's, it's down to the discretion where we're hoping to the fact that these guys are going to be able to keep up on top of everything and do everything right. And, of course, at the moment, it is under the respect that it's only human. Yeah. Um, and, and I think in some respects that you've got to respect they are only human and that they are going to make mistakes. But you've just got to play the game. Once it happens, if the mistake is made, get on with it. Life goes on. Play to win. Don't keep going back on that one decision as that could have changed the game. You know what could have changed the game? you putting in 110% and really working hard.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point. So let's move away from that and back to my most favourite team in the whole wide world. That's not the Bills. The Jets. only <laughs> joke, and I hate the Jets, and I'm sure you will know this by now. But young McElroy coming in off the bench, how did he look to you this week?
1: He got the touchdown, didn't he? He got the win, technically. Now, you could tell that they, they reduced his thinking capabilities. They dumbed down the playbook. You saw how the system worked. It went very run heavy after he came in. I think he was three for four. Guess, yeah, it wasn't very For much about yet. 20 yards, and of course, he did come in with that really shortened field for the score. He could have run that in, to be honest. It was. Good on the guy to take the the pass and the secure option. Um, But he did enough. I mean, there wasn't really much there to sort of judge him on. I don't think that he's had the full rite of passage at the moment. I think we give that to him this week. And if they start him and then a full game, yes, the scrutiny in the eyes of especially the New York press who just love to eat quarterbacks for
0: breakfast. Absolutely, they do, yeah.
1: So we'll have to judge him on this. It's going to be difficult because... I think you've got, to, you've got to take where they're going. I mean, they've got Jacksonville. It's at Jacksonville. Jacksonville have got their new quarterback in. But at the same time, you'd have to think Jacksonville are an opponent who are perfect in their current state for your first game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the question remains, who would be his backup? If Tebow's fit, do you drop Sanchez completely and have Tebow at number two?
1: Yes, I go for Tebow at number 2. One, the thing is because you're trying to work on this whole system where you can have Tebow come in and run this ridiculous idea which is Wildcat. But it's, if you if you choose to run that sort of system, you're going to need that option. Ergo, there's no point in Sanchez as number 2 because Sanchez is just a, a middle of the road, sort of average pocket passer type, you know, out of the uh, USC system where he's coming in and, you know, he's got big, nice, tall receivers to throw to who can just burn yardage and uh, and cornerbacks in one go. He has got that system in in new york because they prefer the more mash mouth pound it on the ground create open spaces speedy receivers speedy receivers and it hasn't quite worked because he hasn't managed to get in sync with that because i don't think he's ever truly adjusted from the usc system I think, to be honest, he should have really... When he was first drafted, he could have really done with going to somewhere like... What was the same year he was drafted? In? He was the same year as uh, Aaron Rodgers. Replacing Aaron Rodgers, if he'd gone to somewhere like Green Bay, would have done him a lot better. Maybe we'd even be saying Mark Sanchez, you know, putting him on the same level.
0: No, no, no. no. Mark Sanchez is a reasonable quarterback, but there's a, there's a completely different mindset between Mark Sanchez and Aaron Rodgers. I mean... Aaron Rodgers tried his precision himself almost, and the way the tight spiral on the ball, the way he controls the game, the respect he has from the other players, no. Mark Sanchez got them to three consecutive um, championship games, I believe, but even still, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, not the same as Aaron Rodgers, not in the slightest. <laughs>
1: Sorry, well, buddy. <laughs> clearly, that, that view is is completely shut down, but if you see what I mean, he, need, he never got out of that system, I do think. Though he could win games... It, there was never the big season that he held under his belt to actually progress him further. Yeah, and I think the problem is now he's he's facing the fact that he doesn't have the the weapons out there either. Now, is that the the homes have gone the Edwards, the Edwards have gone. Trying to think of another big Jets receiver for a
0: while. They had, well, they had Burris last season, didn't oh they? Oh yes, they did have a. Did for, have, yeah, they did I, have a
1: shotty leg. Okay, <laughs> I guess yes technically, but um. No, he's never, really, he's never really adapted to the NFL the way I think he should have. I think he's still stuck in uh, the college game too much. So that way, if you're going to have an opposite against that, McIlwain is coming out and he is going to try and adjust to it. Let the boy adjust. In the same time, you've got um, Tim Tebow, who's never adjusted because he is quite unique in the fact that his game style is just singular. My mind is I don't like personally what he does, but if the boy's good at it, just don't change him.
0: Tim Tebow wins games fact.
1: Yeah. yeah, look, I'm sorry Tim Tebow, I don't like what Tim Tebow does but it gets results and therefore I say you leave Tim Tebow alone don't mess with him, just run him like he's supposed to be used and you'll get results out of him and the problem is Jets aren't doing that so there's no point anyway but if yeah. they wanted to have the option to try and do that, I say you have to make him number two because Sanchez, you dropped the guy for a reason, right? Yeah. Ergo, you haven't benched tebow he got injured yeah ergo it has to be that he drops under tebow
0: okay so just quickly then moving on from that and one final thing although i do generally hate the wildcat um, formation brad smith did a phenomenal job for buffalo out of the wildcat formation this week so you know some teams can run it other teams can't that's the bills for you okay so let's quickly roll on i know we're pressing shy of time we've got about five, ten minutes left just want to run through the playoff picture as it stands at the moment. I mm-hmm. have to eat a bit of humble pie when it comes to the NFC because looking at their position now, not really sure how Chicago are going to finish number one. They can still kind of <laughs> put it out of the bag, maybe, if the heavens fall and pigs fly <laughs> and things. But, so we'll start there. Atlanta this week managed to clinch the division yep. with their win over the Saints and Tampa Bay's loss. Yep. Um, so 11-1, and looks pretty certain they're going to be number one. It's where they sit at the moment. Yes. That's where they go into week fourteen. Got to be pretty disastrous for them to lose out from there from not being number one. I feel. I mean,
1: yes, you're going to Carolina this week, um, and I don't uh, see how easy win. Yeah, I don't see how that can be. Um, it's too early to start putting on the subs, so I don't think they'll start putting on subs until we get to at least week sixteen. Uh, maybe the last two games they'll start resting people, but not this early.
0: If they do rest people, though, I can almost guarantee that the first game they play in the playoffs, they will lose. That just doesn't work. You cannot rest players. Unless it's Peyton Manning, but Peyton Manning's in a class of his own. Uh, number two, San Francisco,
1: 8-3-1. and one. San Francisco is... I love the result, being a Rams fan, but at the same time, um, Kaepernick won you a couple of games, and he's got a positive form on him, but at the same time, Alex Smith was healthy, again, to take on the Rams.
0: But... If it wasn't for David Akers, Kaepernick would have won them the game this week. That's something no, you've got to bear in mind. No. Well, he would have. No, though. I don't think he would have. Because he I, did, because, facts are facts, David Akers missed a kick before St. Louis Rams yeah, scored I, this. I, 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 kn-
1: I know he missed a kick, but at the same time, it was clear, except for he had one be- really good 60 yard run. He couldn't manage the ball through the air like they wanted to. Therefore, it didn't really open up Frank Gore as much as they wanted to. And it seemed he seemed to slow down the offence this week. I mean, you have to look at the fact that these guys were averaging around about 24 points a game. And since he's come in, they're averaging, I think, it's something like 18. So they've lost six points a game from somewhere. And I'm afraid it's from him. You think? Yes.
0: OK, well... <clears throat> to be seen on that one I think we'll, uh, for now we'll agree to disagree on Kaepernick <laughs> number three Green Bay eight and
1: four. Oh, I think Green Bay are uh, going to come back into it like I said shaky start this year but go back into the old good, good old Green Bay form they, that they need we've got Jennings back as well which is always great to have another person on offence but it looks like they've lost Nelson so it's yeah. kind of swings and roundabouts swings and roundabouts really
0: so yeah so potentially Green Bay might sneak up to number two
1: I'd like, I'd like to think so yeah.
0: no worries number four New York Giants 7-5 and five at the moment
1: well you can't really oh, it's so difficult isn't it because of course New York Giants do they want to have another, another little mini slump like they had before um, who did they play the week before
0: what the week before they played the Redskins yes they had a nice uh, easy win didn't they
1: Green Bay of course it was a, a bit of an upset there
0: oh uh, yeah of course you yeah, had the, the replay of the playoff game from last year, which they won, but it was in New York as opposed to Green Bay. So, And they
1: kind of needed to because, of course, again, it stopped the slump. But then, of course, they hit the Washington brick wall and now you find yourself with Washington and Dallas snapping at their heels.
0: Absolutely. You look at the team's six 6-6, and six, two of them from the NFC East. Mm. It's going to be an interesting run into the end of the season. So we're going to move quickly on to quick, a yeah, yeah. quick fire now and NFC East is going to be very tight. Potentially, if it keeps going the way he is, maybe RG3 will pit Manning to the post be nice Chicago number 5 again 8 and 4 so the NFC North looking pretty tight between yeah, Green I mean, Bay and Chicago I, I think
1: Chicago will shore themselves up after this this week's loss yeah
0: they should never have lost to Seattle this week should they
1: no I mean fair play I really like Russell Wilson I really like what the kid is doing
0: ah is that an mm, Wilson moment
1: mmm Wilson yes
0: nice brilliant okay and finally, Seattle, seven and five. Quite surprising, sneaking in there. I know. I, see,
1: I see them sneaking in, but at the same time, I think that could be contested. Because the other people I like that are RG3 coming in. If he doesn't win the division, I could like to see him as a wild card. But yeah. the other people I really, really like, I really like Tampa Bay. Yeah, I
0: know you've been saying a couple like of weeks Bay. you really like Tampa Bay. I
1: mean, they went on a four-game winning streak. They've lost two in a row now. But you look at the opponents they've lost to. They've lost to uh, Denver this, this this coming week here. And then, of course, the week before, they uh, unfortunately got beat. By Atlanta. Atlanta, you know. And that was by a point. So you're sitting there going two unfortunate losses, which, you know, they could have won those games.
0: Just, I'm sorry to cut okay, off just oh, been yeah, course of time. But time. personally, I think the only reason why you like Tampa Bay is because Doug Martin's doing so well for your fantasy team. OK, so AFC, moving on. Houston, uh, number one, 11-1, have now clinched a playoff berth.
1: Yes, uh, they're just it's really nice to see the defence is coming along it's a little bit soft in secondary if you know how to uh, take it on therefore I think they're going to have trouble against New England when they play them later down the line
0: yeah guess who's going to end up number one (laughs) who's sitting in number two at the moment who am I underlining New England, number two, nine and three, clinch the AFC East. Mm. Um, a weak
1: division this year, except for them, I think.
0: Um, well, you say a weak division, but then when you look past all of the teams in the playoffs at the moment, or in the playoff positions, you've got one team at seven and five Yeah. in the Cincinnati Bengals, but then you look at the teams that are on five and seven, um, there's three teams there. How many of them play in the AFC East, sir? Uh,
1: that's all of them, but at the same <laughs> time, you're sitting there going, you must admit there's... Uh, that's." that's one team with a winning record and not another team with a winning record I um, mean, there's not many other divisions that don't at least have two teams with at least a 500 or, or better
0: yeah I mean it's really the south and the north the AFC south yeah, and north have is got the, the, the good record two to say and um, that's why three you've got Baltimore again nine and three mm-hmm. same record as New England but New England have done better within the conference so I believe that's why they're yeah, number they two yeah they get a slightly ten um, really the Pittsburgh loss didn't help yeah Denver, number four, nine and three. Really like them this year. Yeah, again, they've managed to clinch the AFC East this week. Another uh, weak Not division. AFC East, sorry, AFC West. Another, another weak division. Yeah. Number five at the moment, we've got Andrew Luck and his Colts, eight and four. Love it. Somehow, number six, we've got Pittsburgh, seven and five. Well, it's Pittsburgh versus
1: Cincinnati, isn't it?
0: Really? And that's a division record, isn't it, I believe? Yes. That's the reason why Pittsburgh yeah. sneak it over Cincinnati at the moment, because of their performance in the division mm-hmm. in the AFC North. So... That's kind of a brief quickfire look at the playoff picture. Apologise, <clears throat> it's because we're sort of a little shy of time. Just want to do two things, to finish up with. I want to finish off with our swing of the week and then I'm going to give like a final thought for everyone to ponder, including yourself, which maybe I'll give you a week to digest and come back with your thoughts next week, sir. So let's go with our swing of the week for you. Okay,
1: my first one this week is uh, my swing of the week is I like seeing Kansas City getting another win at Cleveland this week.
0: Wow, okay, that even with that, that Cleveland defence, it can either be on fire and get eight turnovers against the Steelers or it can have the performance it did this week well that was more Whedon to be fair I think it was more, more performance it, but yeah. they still won didn't they they, they, the did, they they
1: did but again they beat the Raiders and I think the Raiders have had their heads down for a couple of weeks now um, I like Kansas City because they're going to come off the back of this win they're going to be fired I think they've worked out how to get a system working with Quinn under centre rather than Castle and working on Jamal Charles running the ball with Peyton Hillis being their thunder sort of flash thunder combo Yeah. Um, defence um, did a big, big, big step to step up because I mean they gave up a lot of yardage but they managed to really hunker down in that red zone yeah so i think for that i'm going to give kansas city a let's see i'm going to go for a 65 to 35 swing over with probably about a 10 point win
0: nice one well my swing this week is going to be a lot closer i'm going for 55 45 in favor of wait for it the Redskins over the ravens as it's in washington Ooh. because of the way rg3 is playing I almost feel like there's no mountain too tall for him at the moment. Also, Baltimore, Joe Flacco, come on. He's not... He he once said he considered himself in the top five quarterbacks. Sorry, Mr Flacco. You really need to look for another occupation if you think you're in the top five. Good quarterback, some good talent, but does not utilise them anywhere near enough. I mean, you've got a receiver like Torrey Smith, who is so quick, it's untrue. You've got Bolden, who is one of the best receivers in the game, in my opinion, has been for years particularly when he was in arizona playing alongside fitzgerald they've got ray rice as well you can dump it off to him in the screen doesn't have to run it every time so that's why i'm thinking with that redskins defense as well london fletcher organizing the pack and d'angelo hall in the as cornerback so i'm going 55 45 redskins over baltimore now just to finish off almost like a springer's final thought this would be like bull hawk's final thought I would like to put this to everyone. Is Calvin Johnson, a.k.a. Megatron, the best receiver to ever play the game? Now, here's my arguments as for why. Uh, This year in yardage, he may break Jerry Rice's single season record for receiving yards. Now, I know there may be the argument as, what has he won? Obviously, he's still young in his career, so he's got time to win. Madden cover curse this year aside, you can look for Detroit to be strong. Well, they keep Stafford, and they keep a lot of the components on that offense. They're going to have a strong offense. Maybe if they add to it with another running back, or if the shoe comes, is that how we pronounce his name? Yeah, I'm guessing so. Yeah. He comes on strong like he has been this year. I think they can have a really good season, get rid of Sue, get a decent defensive tackle in. Shame they lost out on Babbin, really. Cause There's
1: some good talent coming out of college this year. Yeah, some serious talent. I believe
0: it's, uh, isn't it, nine out of the 11 Georgia starters are considered to be NFL talent.
1: That and, and most of Alabama is going to be eligible this year.
0: For Calvin Johnson, just quickly coming back to him so we can finish off. The other reasons why I think not only is he going to have this great season where he's potentially going to break Jerry Rice's record. Consecutive thousand yard seasons, the catches he makes. How many other receivers that have played the game do you know that will go up and catch that ball with three or four defenders around him? And that's not an exaggeration. He has caught balls where you just think, right, that's an easy pick. Somehow Calvin Johnson will go and make that catch. He had an awesome one handed catch down the sideline this week as well. And if I can find it, we'll put a clip of it for you. It was just simply phenomenal the way he reached out for that ball tucked it into his body, kept his control, and managed to tuck himself in with a knee and uh, an elbow inbounds before going out for the completed catch. Have a look at some of his highlights. Go YouTube him. YouTube the likes of Jerry Rice. See what you think. And Marcus, I'll give you a week to think about it. And you can come back to say, Andrew, you're a schmuck. Or maybe you'll agree. Who knows? But until then, Marcus, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. As always too. And take care.